Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 56th official episode. And today we're talking about The Last Dance. Episodes one and two dropped last Sunday. Got the Jordan shirt on. I'm ready to, I'm ready to talk about this. The entire world watched it. Uh, the, most, the most watched live ESPN documentary with six million people tuned in. We're all craving basketball. And this is to the point where this is basketball news. And I, I think it's, it, it is basketball news because we're talking about the goat who knows who knows if he's a goat we're not going to go we're not going to go into that conversation in this episode although we might talk about how people will perceive the goat conversation but anyways jordan doc obviously like personally i loved it i'm sure you loved it too but we're not just sitting here and saying why it's good we're saying what we liked about it what are what are your initial thoughts man um i would say the biggest thing probably my favorite part of this whole experience um is that us never having seen Jordan alive, not having been a part of the 90s um, Jordan mania hype train, whatever. Um, like there was an entire, I, I, I still see it sometimes, the entire like um, commercial line that was be like Mike, right? And that was sort of like, that sort of defined a generation of basketball and still defines the NBA today. So I feel like I never fully understood that. Um, and I'm starting to more with this documentary because I'm finding hearing people talk about Jordan, seeing Jordan play, even just from those highlights and clips, you feel sort of immersed in that, um, in that experience. And even though you're not watching live games, um, it's the closest thing we'll have as people who never, who were never actually there, who weren't even alive for this 97, 98 season to go back and sort of like, see Jordan and Pippen's journey and the Bulls journey. Yeah. I feel like I'm sort of buying into that, um, that Bulls culture. Yeah, I agree. Like the, the main thing that I thought when I was seeing this was like, there are certain points where I don't know, like I would just, we, you would hear Jordan like say something really like nasty, but cool. Or, or you would see him do a dunk. It's not even a dunk. It was just like him, him like playing and just like being really, really good. And I was like, like, damn, like, I want to be like Mike, like, like, <laughs> like that, like I literally said that to myself. I'm like, dude, I, I want to get a pair of Jordans right now. Like I, I got the ones, but I want to get like, like 11s or fours or something. Like, like I get it. <laughs> Whereas like before, like, before, like you hear on the internet and like you hear, you hear the guys and there's like, spamming jordan awards or whatever and so like from from someone who has never seen him never seen him play outside of like highlights and just hearing all this it, you almost want to be like you're wrong j- j- like just because like you don't know what you're talking about or i don't know what you're talking about so like i can't just like take your word for it um but yeah i, I think i think seeing it firsthand is definitely you can you feel like you know michael jordan more whereas in i, w- I was saying before like before this documentary he just seemed like a figure in the clouds that we have to get up and bow down to every day as the, as the God of basketball. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I would say that whenever I see Jordan on TV now, it's a Jordan that is like, you know, late fifties, 
maybe early sixties. I don't know how old he is, but past his like has past his peak. Has put, put on, on a few a LBs. A yeah, few LBs. He's got like a weird one one ear earring. Um, like I I don't know. I just think he looks like he doesn't. It it just seems like he's changed a lot, even since he's retired. He doesn't he doesn't have the same. I guess charisma that he sort of seems to at points in this documentary, and, and w- to his credit, when when they sit down and interview him, he still seems really fun. Like yeah, like he's hilarious and he's he's interesting to watch. But there's a sort of charm that Jordan had in his playing days. I don't think is totally there now, and you do, or it's not totally obvious now. All that we see of Jordan for the last ten years is the crying Jordan memes, um, and so it was cool to see sort of that side of Jordan, the side I never saw or, or never remember seeing, um, is a Jordan that's just like charismatic in a way that I don't think really anybody in NBA history has been, including LeBron James, except for maybe Kobe Bryant, the way that he like captures people. I would say Kobe Bryant probably even more so. Look, when he speaks or like people just flock to him, but Jordan's game spoke volumes for itself. Um, and so, so, so that's been really interesting to see is I, I sort of get the figure that, that he's such a larger than life figure. I never fully understood it looking at the Jordan that we see today. Yeah. Okay. So episode one was mainly just an introduction talking about Jordan. Um, they, they fluctuated back between 1997 uh, and his, in his college days. And personally, I, I think like, for me, college was the best part just because I, I literally know nothing about Jordan in college. Like, I knew, like, he hit, like, the one shot. I, I didn't know anything besides his coach with Dean Smith. And then 1997, honestly, I, I didn't know all this drama. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know it. Um, I, didn't so, know, I didn't know that Scotty Pippen requested a trade. That was sort of yeah. the first thing we left on. I, I'm left sort of wondering, like, even though we know that they win a championship <laughs> in the end, they win the, the sixth final championship. I'm sort of biting my fingernails, like, how are they going to get there? Because at this point, it doesn't seem like that's what their sort of destiny is. It seems like they're bound to sort of fall apart and Jerry Krause sort of mess this whole thing up. Yeah. Um, and so, the, like, the you know, you know the part in a movie where, like, they say the title of the movie and you're like, that's why it's called. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. They, they had that with, with Phil Bill Jackson. They had that with Phil binder. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. And they, it's, called cool. a, it's called Last Dance. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that was cool. I, don't, I don't know why, but I didn't even like know it was called The Last Dance or process that it was called The Last Dance until like the day before. And then I was like, they sort of stole Dwayne Wade's thunder with that. Like that was his. Oh, that was his thing. For his whole farewell tour. Um, <laughs> so that was a little bit confusing to me. I don't know. Before that, I just thought of it as the MJ documentary, but it all caught up to me very quickly because um, this is sort of taking the NBA world by storm. Yeah, and so it's like the title "Last Dance" would have it, and I guess it's true. Like it's primarily focused around the nineteen ninety six ninety seven season because that was the season where they had the most trouble. But like ninety seven ninety eight is the last dance. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I meant. Uh, and so that's where they had like the most trouble. But I. Uh, I feel like that would do Jordan's career such a disservice if they just focused on that. Mm. So I'm, I'm really happy they're going like back and forth in the timeline. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Because next, next week we have Dennis Rodman for episode three, I think, and then bad boy Pistons for episode four, which, which will be really fun. Yeah. Those are fun. I don't know where you've seen that schedule. I didn't know that. 
that, that dude you've been you've been slacking game. on those schedules bro dude uh I don't know where quick quick it. quick story for, for just look it up quick story for people listening i <laughs> <laughs> we i was like dude we need to talk about episodes one and two on the podcast and he's like eh, I, I don't i don't know i'm like dude everyone's gonna be doing it and so we made a bet that that uh, like our favorite youtubers and whatever would be doing it and of course i won because yeah <laughs> and it was, so it was two out of three of the people that we named made videos on it and, and so as of now, two, yeah, and as of now, two have, and I bet you another one's going to. But anyways, <laughs> you, you, thought, you thought there was just one episode dropping Sunday, and then yeah. you, you texted the group chat saying, I thought this was one episode. Why are they talking about Scottie Pippen now? Yeah, so, so, it, <laughs> so it went from, I guess it started at nine, so it went from nine to ten, and it said, like, directed by whatever. So my brother got up and left the room. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, that was a really cool first episode. I'm looking forward to watching it tomorrow night. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it keeps going. <laughs> Until it's 10.15, I'm like, damn, this is a lot of bonus. 10.30, I'm like, wait, we're an episode. Like, this is an episode and a half. It was 11 o'clock and I was like, I guess it must have been two episodes. Yeah. Uh, so I figured that out sort of as I was watching. I did not know anything about the schedule. But I will say that I, I like the format they're doing with the back-to-back episodes every Sunday. Yeah, that's cool. It's a little late for for my taste. Like, I mean, I, think, I, I guess I think it's probably for West Coast people. A yeah, bit. like that's the way they run NBA games. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I eleven o'clock is a little bit late, I guess, to be watching. On a, if you if it's like you have school the next day, if you're us. Yeah. Um. So, it it would be hard to mention these first two episodes without bringing up Jerry Krause. For sure. Um, they. Talk about him very poorly, uh, MJ. They paint him as the villain. Pippen. They do, and not even just worse. not not even just videos of of past Jordan and past Pippen saying saying, "Oh yeah, Jerry Krause, like you suck, whatever." But even even today, like the narrative and the narrators are still they're doing. It. They preface it with Jerry Krause is a nice guy, but yeah, every then, one of them, every one of them is like, yeah. He was a really kind person. Jerry Krause had a good heart, but he made some like really bad mistakes that ruined this dynasty or almost did, I guess. If you Yeah, and honestly, like I knew the name Jerry Krause, but nothing besides just the name on the surface. Man, yeah. Like it's interesting because you would think that he would be regarded as one of the best GMs of all time. Yeah, putting definitely. together. Uh, a Bulls team that won six championships like that alone if you if you collect Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen Dennis Rodman Tony Kukoc like if you can and if you look at those those lists of teams every year they had a different starting point guard a different center like outside of Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen it was different teams every year they only had Dennis Rodman for three of the championships Tony Kukoc was only there for like you know three as well yeah Horace Grant they they it was a rotating door right um, and, and he made they, they talked about that trade where they traded away Charles Oakley for Horace Grant. He made some really uh, no, tough they, they traded Charles Oakley for Bill Cartwright. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, but he made some some really tough decisions like that that ended up playing just right to win the Bulls six championships. And I think it's a little bit of a shame that he isn't getting like he isn't getting a lot of credit for that in the documentary. He's only being poor, like portrayed as this villain because to be honest like Jordan was the third overall pick 
it's not like that he didn't have other options. Um, he didn't have to take Jordan there. They didn't have to take Pippen at five out of yeah. central Arkansas. Like he made some really, really impressive moves. Whether he was egotistical and like really messed up or not, Jerry Krause, I think, should be regarded at least for that for a certain stretch of time as being one of the best GMs ever. And then maybe he fell apart and sort of derailed his own career in the Bulls dynasty. But he made Phil Jackson. I mean, he sort of, he did it all for the Bulls in that era. Yeah. Um, the one thing that stands out to me is like, okay, this is the thing that's not okay. Because I, I can deal with like wanting to assert yourself if you're like this like small guy and all these stars yeah. are like being mean to you. The one thing that, the one thing that doesn't seem okay is the, even if Phil Jackson goes 82 and 0, I'm firing him. That's true. That's like, bro, do your job. Like, oh, well, I just, like, I think, <laughs> I think he got to the point where it was like, he was a little bit too much. Um, I don't know what the right word is, but he got to the point where everything was just too definite. Like he would make decisions too far in advance. As in, why are you talking about, Okay, so you signed Scotty Pippen the seven-year extension, um, with uh, against the the owner's will, right? So this the owner told Scotty Pippen, "Don't sign this contract." He told Jerry Krause, "That's a big yeah. contract offering." And but why is it like when the 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 whole the whole world essentially was just like, okay, so Scotty Pippen's pissed off about a seven-year extension, just give him more money, like, just like, I think there would be some way to manipulate that where you just. Like, I don't know, you, like you, you know, you nullify that contract and then extend it, re-extend or something like that. But why is it that it was so final? You can't renegotiate. Why is it that, as you said, no matter what Phil Jackson does, he's not coming back next season. For him to say, this is going to be Phil Jackson's last season as an NBA, or as, a, as the Bulls coach, right before the season is like unheard of, I think. I, I've never heard of anything yeah. like that in from a title contender yeah. and a championship defender. It, it doesn't make sense because they were in the, such a golden position. Obviously, they ended up winning a championship even with all of this. Why was he on such a mission to tear it down? I, do, I, like, I don't know. And honestly, I feel like that's, one of, that's probably the only shortcoming that I see in the documentary so far. I feel like they didn't set it up that well where it's like oh this has to be the final dance like they mentioned a little bit how guys are getting older uh i think like i think uh there there was like something where like everyone was getting older but and so jerry cross saw that um and but the like owners like start the rebuild before it was too late or something like that yeah and so so but like they didn't they didn't really illustrate that that clearly like i was trying to follow and i couldn't um but it was something like they were all getting older and they were all near the end of their contracts. Pippen was near the end of his contract. So it's like, maybe you just want to get some value for him if he doesn't want to resign. Um, however, the owner um, was, was like, as long as we have Michael Jordan on our roster, we should compete for a title. And duh, you know? Dude, I, I love the owner so much. Dude, the I, owner is I so have, cool. <laughs> I, have, I have written down as a question for us to talk about who is the hero of the documentary so far. I have the Bulls owner. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> I, I took JR. Those are his initials, I think. I, I think he might be the hero of the documentary so far, in my eyes, over Michael Jordan. I, yeah, like, dude, same. I, I, I had that like in my, in my mental notes. I'm like, we need to talk about this owner. Because 
okay, here's he's, the deal. He's like, a good the, guy at all of this. Like, yeah, he but just... the, the things that he's saying almost sound like he's trying to protect his, his own ass, but, like, he seems so genuine and, like, yeah. harmless. You know, well, he seems so well, well-intentioned. I, I, the, only de- the only criticism I would have of him is if he really knew, like, if he really got into this argument with Jerry Krause about we want Phil Jackson back, you're not firing Phil Jackson before the 97-98 season, he has the power over Jerry Krause. Just keep Phil Jackson. Like, yeah. I, it almost seems like he's right in every situation. Like, he knew, okay, this isn't going to work out well. You better do this little thing to, like, keep it. So why didn't he just step in more often and be like, no, we are keeping Phil Jackson or you can leave? Because I would argue Phil Jackson is maybe the greatest coach of all time. If not, he's up there, right? There's Pop, uh, Red Auerbach, and, and, like, Phil Jackson or, like, some of the guys in that top tier. I mean, I just made an argument for Jerry Krause maybe being one of the best GMs ever, but – I think that Phil Jackson was more important to the Bulls' success at that point in time once the team was already constructed because clearly Jerry Krause was off his rocker a little bit and in, in, in losing it to the point where he's deconstructing the team for his own ego or for just to make himself feel good or something. I don't even know. Yeah, random thing that pops in my head. Did you see that, that meme where it's, it's the guy in Space Jam do, yes. do you know what I'm gonna say, dude. That that had me the dying. Bad, if you don't know what we're talking about, the the bad guy in Space Jam, the like overweight alien, who's who's like, who's like managing all the other aliens. Yeah, and he like runs the theme park, um, comparing him to Jerry Krause because they're both like kind of sh- foul, but <laughs> sure, they're they're both like mean, short, a little hunky, yeah. and. And they're both, like, portrayed really, like, negatively. Um, mm. Dude, yeah. Okay, but I, I do want to point out this. I, I feel bad for Jerry Krause because even if he was – even if he was a bad guy, whatever, like, just thinking of, like, his, like, family – like, dude, like, Jerry Krause died three years ago. Yeah. And, like, like three – like, I would at least want him, like, on this to, like, mm. def- like, to, like defend himself. That's true. Uh, this would be a very docu- very different documentary if if you had Jerry Krause's perspective to defend himself. Yeah. Right. Or, or like, at least like it. he died three years ago and you're just like slandering him in front of six million people. Because honestly, when he gave the interviews, like when they've shown his interviews with, with media and stuff post-game, he's well spoken. Whether his logic makes sense or not, he he like he can put his thoughts into words well. Um and so, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why he's like, yeah, no, no trades are off the table. We could trade Scottie Pippen. We're not sure yet, but he, he said that well, right? So I, I think it would have been really interesting because he speaks his mind and he puts it all out there and he does it well. He's, he's to the point and he's like, he's going to tell you what he thinks. And I guarantee you, he's not going to say, oh yeah, I did all this because I'm short and fat. So I'd like to see what his reasoning was because I'm sure that, that he had reasons and whether yeah. they're justified or not, it would have been interesting to hear his logic. Even though, of course, we know in hindsight he was wrong to try to dismantle this last dance team. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it, it just struck me because I was like, is, is Jerry Krause like alive? Like, why isn't he in this thing? And I looked it up. He died in 2017. Um, so I don't know. I just like, 
imagine if you like you're Jerry Cross's like wife or something, and you're just That's like true. seeing your your dead husband just slandered just in front of everyone. Like, I mean, the world is a rough place. Like they are definitely going to get death threats and and things like that in the mail, which is just like it's very unfortunate because um, that shouldn't be anybody's reality, right? That's that's the age of the internet. Um, and, and with having the most viewed documentary, like an ESPN sister or whatever this is, um, they're going to have a lot of attention on them. Which is- yeah, one, one, other, one other thing about Krauss, I was struck by how open he was in press conferences. Like usually, yeah. usually if we hear like, like, oh yeah, like they're, they're like in trade talks for like Kyrie Irving or, or Kyrie Irving wants out or something like that. We just hear it from Woj who hears it from some guy who like he whispers to. But like the the GM just coming out and be like, yeah, we might trade Scotty. Yeah, you know, I, you know, th- there were like a few quotes that were like, why are you telling them this? <laughs> this, is, this is the part, I'm glad you brought this up. This is the part that I was like, that wouldn't fly in 2020. Yeah. You coming out and saying Phil Jackson is not going to make it to the end of the season wouldn't happen in 2020. It just wouldn't. Everything is more secretive and behind the scenes. And so Woj might come out and say that, but even he wouldn't say this is Phil Jackson's last season with the Bulls. He would say that, you know, the Bulls are thinking about or, or looking for alternative options throughout the season with plans to, you know, fire uh, Phil Jackson in the season, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's just not as definite. Um, and, and maybe that's just a reason to like 90s basketball. I, I'm sure the old timers out there were, were, were happy with that one. Um, but I mean, it's exciting. Like, I, I kind of wish that we lived in that world today where you just had the GM speak in his mind. But I yeah. also understand why you don't. Because in an age of social media, like, that would be the most talked about thing on Twitter overnight. Um, so... Yeah. Um, let's move on. Just episode two. What was your perception of Scottie Pippen? Like, man, um, I, I knew Scottie Pippen was the ultimate wingman, right? He, he's become synonymous with the number two guy that you want to play with. Uh, and so there was a quote at some point where Michael Jordan was like, nobody should say Michael Jordan without mentioning Scottie Pippen. And I was like, yes, like, thank you. Just stop there. But then he went on to say something else that wasn't as, as positive as Scottie Pippen. Or like, just if you just said the statement, nobody should mention Michael Jordan without talking about Scottie Pippen. That would have been legendary for the, for the Scottie Pippen episode, right? And that would have like cemented Scottie Pippen's place in NBA history as if it wasn't already right there, that alone. But he went on and, and he continued and sort of breezed over that like it wasn't that significant. Um, and so I wish he'd emphasized that more because I think it was really important in this, in this last dance documentary to give Scotty Pippen his own episode, because even if he wasn't as important as Jordan, Scotty Pippen, as they've continued to emphasize throughout this, this documentary so far was a top five player in the NBA. Some people in this documentary even have argued top two, yeah. um, him and Mike. So I thought it was pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, I w- what struck me was the, like, I don't even know how to phrase this, like, like ex- extreme verbal abuse of Jerry Krauss. Mm. Um, just like, I wish they had more clips of that. that like him on the bus? Because it says they follow them <laughs> everywhere. So why aren't there clips of Scotty Pippen getting into a screening match with Jerry Krauss on the bus? That would have been cool. 
Ricky too. That, yeah. No, yeah, that would have been cool. But yeah, just like on the bus in front of the entire team. There that's there's one thing to just like do it in the office, to have a disagreement in the office. That's what that's what Kyrie Irving did, um, which I respect in in Cleveland, but the publicness of, mm. of in front of the entire team. So like that means like next game you're going to the locker room everyone's thinking about that same one experience you know so like i would say yeah that, that's jordan had a quote it's like that's selfish of scotty to like sit out games and, and demand a trade it's selfish of scotty pippen to just abuse jerry Krause, and frankly it's selfish of michael jordan also to just verbally abuse jerry Krause, um to a lesser degree um but i would argue that jerry Krause is the most selfish one in the documentary so yeah, but as a well, goat, yeah. you got to be bigger than that. <laughs> Jordan's the king of smack talk, though. Like, yeah, if I mean, if we're talking about Jerry Krause speaking his mind and saying it how it is, nobody does that more than MJ. Yeah, if, he, if he's not having it, he's going to let you know. And, and he's not playing. He's not playing uh, Jerry Krause in basketball. So he's got to come up with another way to like be competitive with him. Because I actually thought that was that's also been one of my favorite parts is. Jordan has talked about a few times that he had a lot of like anger and frustration sort of built up um, and that basketball was the way for him to let it out. And he's like calling himself a wild dog and things like that. But, but I, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, and I guess I, I see it as Jordan is so competitive and is so just at you and is like going to try to kill you on the basketball court. I guess if you can't do that with Jerry Krause, he's, gonna, he's just going to like berate him with, I don't know. Yeah. Cuss words. Like, that, that, com- that competitive nature really stood out. Like, like during the part where he had like the minutes restriction. Oh, I, I love I, that dude, part. I, I thought I was about to see Jordan just run onto the court and sub himself in. I genuinely, I, I thought that Every was going to happen. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- that was such a cool part to the see. The most interesting part of that to me was that they said, so they said, okay, if the coach plays, um, plays Jordan, then he'll be fired on the spot. Then, That's, yeah, That's I don't crazy. think it was Phil Jackson at that point. It no, was it wasn't. Phil Jackson. No. Um, but then after the game, the coach locked Jerry Krause at the locker room. He wouldn't let him in. That that was like that was awesome because that felt like obviously that was way before the ninety seven ninety eight season. That felt like that Jerry Krause slander started right there. Yeah, it, it did because they said that Jordan believed that this team was losing intentionally to get a better draft pick and like mm. that like offends him as a competitor. So I'm pretty sure I had a quote where it's like like the Jerry Krause animosity started there because he just he violated the fundamental rule of sports, which is like win at all costs. And then they said that was like the fundamental rule of Michael Jordan's life. As yeah. In, like that which I really out. like every bone in MJ's body, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, the last thing about Scottie Pippen I want to talk about is, is the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was this huge thing and, and everyone on, on Twitter and, and Instagram is talking about how Scottie Pippen had a seven year, $18 million contract, which obviously in today's term is more, but it's, it's still very small. It's more than like $2 million a year, but it's, it's still very small. Yeah. Um, and, over the course of seven years. So Scottie Pippen got better and better since that contract. And um, the salary cap skyrocketed. Yeah, it did. And honestly, the ironic thing is 
majority because of the 96 uh, because of the Chicago Bulls exactly and everyone so, loved Jordan so the I NBA got bigger a huge part yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so okay so everyone was talking about on Twitter they were like Scotty Pippen like was was a top five player and he was he was getting paid the 100 and and, and 22nd, 22nd yeah uh, Andre most, Roberson and, of today yeah Andre Roberson get, makes uh, that ranking I guess in, in the salary today and so yeah but also like it's weird to me because I, I didn't know it but I haven't been doing like research on, on the Chicago Bulls or whatever but I feel like at least old heads or just or just like I don't know like like strong NBA fans who are like a bit older than us should know that right because like that's not like that's not like new like information that like is like secret footage that no one's ever seen like i can go to basketball reference and i can look up scotty pippen and i can see what he made every year yeah uh and so just like nba instagram blowing up about like oh my god like i feel like that might just be like poor journalism just like across the board like i feel like that should be a narrative of the chicago bulls like like a narrative of the warriors which as a Warriors fan I don't know as, as someone who like is is you're a Steph Curry fan yeah as a Steph Curry fan I know that not the primary reason but the reason they were able to assemble those early awesome Warriors team is because Steph Curry was on a four-year 44 million dollar contract that he signed yeah. that he signed after his uh, rookie deal expired because at the time he signed it because he had ankle injuries Everyone knew he had potential to probably be an all-star, but no one really knew, um, especially because he was injury-prone at the time. And so they signed him for a four-year contract where he won the MVP while getting paid $11 million. Twice. Crazy. Twice. Um, and so by having your best player be underpaid dramatically, that means you have enough money to pay Clay Thompson or pay Draymond Green or sign Kevin Durant. And yeah, so I, I feel like Every NBA dynasty has that good player that is underpaid because that's how you can afford to have a bunch of good players on your team. Uh, and so I feel like that should have been a narrative with the Bulls that it's like, oh, yeah, they were able to sign Tony Kukoc because Scotty was underpaid. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that people at the time knew about that. I, I mostly think it's weird that, like, why has that not carried on? Yeah, it must be. Yeah. It, part of it is probably because the Bulls ended up winning that championship. And so then when Scotty Pippen goes on and, and, and signs a big contract to play with the Blazers, it's already over. Um, but still, it's weird that, like, I had never heard of that contract until um, until the documentary. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, yeah. like, Jordan was making the biggest contract in NBA history at the, at the point, I think. Yeah, honestly, I don't blame Scottie Pippen for wanting to get paid, you know? Yeah. Like, like definitely not good for him that he got his bag later. Um, just, I, do you have any more The Last Dance content to talk about? Or Let me brainstorm if you have anything else. Okay, okay. Um, I was just going to talk about, does this change the GOAT perception? Uh, how is LeBron watching this on his couch? Um, just any, any of, I like... Have- I have one thing, um, it, sort of on that LeBron note a little bit. I forget who it was, but there was an NBA player who tweeted out something like, nah, and this, you know, Bulls-Celtics 86 series, LeBron would have 
scored 90 points per game. Miles Bridges tweeted that. I think it was Mikel. I think it was Mikel okay. Bridges. First of all, I just think that's stupid. Yeah. But I want to hear your, your perception of that. Of, well, Nick, that, no, that's, that's dumb. I mean, but like, <laughs> okay. but like he probably – he didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan. He grew up watching – like the dude's 20. He, and yeah. when, he was, when he was like 12 or 13, LeBron was the best player in the league. So I'm a big believer in NBA player biases – um, for for mm. who's like the best whatever um, like Trey Young has Steph Curry as his as his best point guard of all time. Uh, Shaq always thinks the team with the better big man's gonna win. Um, no, yeah, seriously, stuff like yeah. that. Like yeah, when he doesn't like Joel Embiid shooting threes because because Shaq didn't shoot threes. Um, ben Simmons doesn't have Rudy Gobert as his as his best defender in the league or top five defender in the league. He has. Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis can guard multiple positions, and Ben Simmons' greatest defensive strength is guarding multiple positions. So I, I think it's just, it's just player biases factor into who they have as their rankings, because, like, why wouldn't they, you know? Um, they, they don't, like, having opinions and putting them on a podcast isn't, like, their job. Their job is to go out and hoop. So, I don't know, just, I don't, I don't hold anything against him. Like, we, we know that's dumb, but. Agreed, yeah. I, it's like, no matter what the era is, that Celtics team was incredibly talented. Um, and, and when they talk about four Hall of Famers, Bill Walton was a former MVP who won sixth man of the year that I think that year, um, like hugely important player when he played in the Blazers, then he went to the Celtics and was awesome. Larry Bird, probably top five player of all time, arguably even higher than that. Um, I mean, one of the most skilled players ever, lethal jump shot, could score from anywhere, good defender, great size. Dennis Johnson and Danny Ainge are two very underrated guards. I mean, if you haven't, if you don't know enough about this team, just go read Bill Simmons talking about anything, and he will manage to talk about how great the Celtics are, and especially how great these Larry Bird Celtics teams were. And so from reading the book of basketball, I have read a lot about how ridiculously good Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Bill Walton, Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson, how good all of those guys were. And so that makes that team look like a real juggernaut. And so for a second-year Michael Jordan to be going and putting up a real fight against them without Scottie Pippen is very impressive. And could a modern-day LeBron James put him in MJ's shoes do that? Maybe, maybe he'd put up, you know, 63 points or whatever it was. Um, but for him to say, no, Lebr LeBron would score 90 every game. Come on, man. Like, I feel like that's also biased LeBron's, against. LeBron like... has never scored 90 points. <laughs> He's, I, don't, I don't think his career high is even 60. Um, LeBron it, it's James... 60 or 61. I think it's okay. 61. So uh, my, my point anyway is, is that, I mean, pace is slower. There's. There's no three like there's not as many three pointers like everything about the game would be different. So for you to just say like no LeBron whatever sixty because LeBron is that good, it's just recency bias. Yeah, I think it's also bias against like unathletic people in the eighties. But also like the idea that they they were unathletic, I think is flawed. Sure. Yeah. No. Like, exactly. Like exactly. Larry Bird. Larry Bird was not jumping out of the gym. He wasn't as fast as like your John Walls or whatever of today. 
he was athletic in a very different sense. He was athletic in that he has some of the greatest fundamentals ever. He was incredibly, incredibly talented, but in a game that was a lot slower, in a game that was much more grit and grind, get into the paint, get in the mid-range instead of fast-paced transition, three-point shooting, um, and in defense doesn't matter as much when it was like a slow-down game. He was the perfect player for that era, right? Um, and so the game has changed a lot, but the idea that Larry Bird wasn't athletic is just stupid. Like Larry Bird is still an incredible athlete. He also didn't have a 40-inch vertical. Yeah, no, so I'm saying when I say bias against yeah, yeah, un- yeah. unathletic white guys in the 80s, that's a misconception. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's, so, that's my argument is that, is that yeah. there are different ways to be athletic. They, they weren't athletic in the same way that like the pro dunkers you see on Instagram are athletic, but they were athletic nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so just like more big scope. Um, this documentary, in my opinion, humanizes Jordan for the younger generation, mm-hmm. uh, as well as for the old generations, like reliving memories and also just seeing new clips or whatever. Um, and, pro- and providing insight. Cause like no one really talked about this whole last dance sort of like thing, like season really like in the current day until, until this happened. So and I'm sure when you yeah. live through it the first time, those six championships sort of blend together as in like, uh, when you have six, it's a lot of championships, first of all, but I don't think the last one really stands out as that unique when you've already won five before it. So to go into a deep dive on that specific championship and how you got there and how the themes of Jordan's career have led him and played out in that final year is really interesting. So even if you had, if you'd watched those six championships happen, you didn't get one this deep dive look into the behind the scenes and two, you didn't see it all back to back with the concept of, or with the con, uh, yeah, like the themes of Michael Jordan's earlier playing game. Yeah. So I think the main, the main impacts are going to be reliving for the old people, humanizing Jordan as young as uh, for the, for the youth. I, I really hope they, they don't protect Michael Jordan, you know, like, well, he tweeted out something like, you're all going to think I'm an asshole after you, after you watch this footage. So I don't yeah. think, I think it's going to start, making Jordan look bad too. I wouldn't be surprised if he talks a lot about him retiring for, you know, and potentially his gambling problems. Um, I I think it's going to probably get into that too, because that should be a big part of how they got to the last dance. Yeah. And like, like I wouldn't expect someone to be like, Oh yeah, make a documentary like slandering me. Right. But I do think, yeah, it, it would it would feel wrong, and I I would feel a little bit cheated if if we didn't get Jordan just like being an asshole mm-hmm. more and to a yeah. greater degree because I guarantee you there there are some crazy things that have never gotten out um, and Definitely. might not might not get out. But yeah, I hope that happens. Um, do you, this is like a generic question? I feel like we have to wait more for the series. But do you think this alters any part of the goat conversation? Trey Young said something like this. Um, like he, like he said, he feels like it's going to make him put Jordan at number one instead of number two. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm ready to say that um, because at this moment, I still have Jordan as the greatest player of all time, like in my arbitrary mental list, without really knowing that much about him. Just like word of mouth and in the stats tell me that, um, in, the, in his accolades tell me that. There, there, there was just something special about him. Um, 
but I, I think I think more than altering the goat conversation, it's justifying why Jordan is number one or he's top two or whatever for a lot of people. Uh, you know, for for our generation, we don't we know that Jordan is supposedly number one or number two, and then there's kind of no arguing that that he's top two. Whether he's above or below LeBron is something else, but. I'm not sure everybody really knows why other than he won six championships, never lost the finals, never went to game seven, you know, yeah. this and that. So it's, it's explaining, as you said, really well, like the human, like it's humanizing Michael Jordan. It's, it's really putting, you know, like a face in all the context behind that goat persona that we've come to know. Yeah. Um, and we were talking before the episode, uh, the Kobe Bryant documentary. I've never seen it. It's called Muses, I think. Yeah. How does how does this compare to that? Um, yeah, that, that's a 2015 one that I ended up watching. Um, we had a, like you know our Easter break from school, and so I watched that, and then this came out. Um, that one was interesting. They had a lot more time talking with Kobe Bryant, which was I mean it was really powerful watching that now after after his death, but. I, I, I'd like to see more of that as this documentary continues, like more sit down yeah. with Michael Jordan himself and hear it from his perspective because kind of Kobe narrating his own journey was really interesting. There are a lot of similarities in that the way that this goes, it's like the present day is the 97, 98 season. And it skips back to earlier parts of his career all leading up to the 97, 98 season for this Kobe documentary. It was his Achilles tear in 2013 and it was all skipping back to earlier parts of his career and how he got to that. Um, but it also talked a lot about his personal life, which the Sheridan documentary hasn't really yet. Um, and and it, it, one of the things that, was, that was, I liked the most was it talked about his competitive spirit and like what makes, and he talked about how the Black Mamba essentially came to be. That was probably my favorite part was his, was his mentality. He explained what it means, what it meant to him to create a black mama personality or, or persona to, to that's just going to go on the basketball court every day and, and play the best 48 minutes that he can and just try to like beat the hell out of his opponents. And then Kobe Bryant, not the black mama, but Kobe Bryant can go home and deal with his personal problems that he was having with, with Vanessa. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and so that was really powerful. And so I'm sure that Jordan has some pretty crazy stories like that too, if you give him the chance to say them. And so even more interesting than hearing about Jerry Krauss might be hearing who Jordan is from Jordan's own mouth, I think. Um, yeah. And so that would be the thing that I hope they emulate from the, from muses in in this last dance documentary yeah i I think that's a good point i'm just hearing jordan talk about anything is very interesting yeah it's captivating he has that kobe bryant-esque i want to listen to you it's it's a weird like twinkle in the eye um that like you can't look away um that made both of them really special yeah i agree um do you have any last thoughts on the documentary before we leave man um the one, the one thing that, that I want to say is there was a 10% chance that none of this ever happened um, with that seven minutes per half if um, oh, yeah. playing on the foot. 
So yeah, that, Pro- that provide context if, if people don't remember. There is, they said, they said there was, there was a 90% chance that if Jordan went and played, he wouldn't re-injure his ankle, but there's a 10% chance he would, and he'd never be able to play basketball again, and his career would be over. Um, and, yeah. and so what I mean by that is there, there was a 10% chance that if Jordan hadn't played some meaningless regular season games, if they, you know, even if like they had to come up with that compromise for seven minutes per half, whatever, that we would never have seen Michael Jordan become Michael Jordan. He would have been that other, you know, what if player like a Daryl yeah. Rose or Tracy McGrady or, you know, whoever else. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Um, th- yeah. I, I would say pro- maybe the, the minutes restriction might be my favorite part just because I feel like th- that just encaptures Jordan's like persona and also just anyone who's had an injury know it sucks and wants to go out and play, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, that was my favorite part probably. I, I hope only, we get, yeah. The only yeah. other thing I would mention is um, the Bob Knight moment um, on team USA where I, I guess like a 20 year old Michael Jordan Hadn't, hadn't even played his first NBA game yet. Bob Knight called him the greatest basketball player you'd ever seen. Yeah, I feel like that was brushed over a little Ooh. bit. Like, I totally forgot about it. I, I, I had seen that before, and I knew that was a real quote. But seeing all of that, all right, so because it came right off of – I forget who it was. I think it was the Bulls owner said, we were lucky that the draft happened before the Olympics. Otherwise, like, Jordan would have gone number one. Uh, it was the implied thing. Um because Bob Knight said Michael Jordan is the best basketball player I've ever seen play right after Michael Jordan went number three overall in his own draft. Yeah. So, yeah. That's over, crazy. Um, behind Sam Bowie. But yeah. There was a perception. We can understand because Akeem Olajuwon yeah. is also a top 10 player of all time. Arguably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The perception, because there was a really good quote by magic and bird said, said something uh, along the same lines, but it was like, like Larry, like Larry and I knew, like, like, cause we've been there. We saw that, that he had it to like become a, a great, you know? And it, it's also, it's also very cool that, that when he was drafted, people were saying, oh, it was Walt Frazier. I think he said, the reality is that Jordan isn't seven feet. And so he's not the type of player that can turn your franchise around or something like that. Dude, Marky I was said that too. <laughs> I was laughing out that's loud. That's hilarious bro. to go that's back so... and look at it. But you think about that. That's 84, 85. That's before Magic and Bird probably became dynasties, you know? And, and so they were already established. By, by that point, they probably both won a championship. Um, but but, but all, both of them also had your Kareem, your Kevin McHale. Right? And like look, they, they, were, were, they were both also six foot nine. Exactly. You know? So it, it's not like they were guards. Yeah. Like Magic so, was a guard, but he was like 6'10". But, but but if if you didn't already know that Jordan changed the game, there you go. Yeah, dude, that that was that might be actually my favorite part. Just keep mentioning parts, and I'll I'll, I'll say they're my favorite part. But <laughs> there's a lot of good yeah, moments there. Yeah, but dude, there's that made lot. me laugh out loud. Like, you were so wrong. Yeah, as a Curry fan, like pretty ironic. Pretty ironic. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that that concludes episode fifty six and episode one and two of the last dance uh thank you so much for listening to this episode of space the floor podcast we hope you enjoyed if you're listening on youtube like and subscribe uh that'd be really appreciated leave a comment 
uh, what you're excited about for the next episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Space Before Podcast and on Twitter at Space Before. And thank you so much for watching. My name is Connor Yeelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Uh, shout out to the Bulls owner, whatever his name is. <laughs>